Hello, and welcome to the Catholic Duluth Show. The Catholic Duluth Show is a parish community podcast serving the parishes of St. Lawrence and Holy Family in Duluth, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Dan Rhoda, and with me I have Father Anthony Craig. How are you doing today, Father Anthony? I'm well, thank you, Dan. Thank you. I'm well. Yeah, uh, today we're going to be finishing up this uh, discussion on the fourth cup, which you know, hopefully doesn't go for like three hours. I know. But it, I mean, it probably could. It's got that potential. Um, so who knows how long this is going to go. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, we, we've been kind of talking about it over like over the last week. We're really excited to continue to talk about this. Um, but before we do that, is there anything that we need to, anything going on in the parishes that, that we should share with the people? We have First Communion and um, confirmation coming up within the next week. I know confirmation is May 10th, and First Communion is this upcoming weekend? Yes. Yeah, First Communion will be the 11 o'clock Mass here at St. Lawrence um, this Sunday, so this this upcoming Sunday. The 1st? The 1st. Right. Yep. May 1st, May Day. confirmation is the 10th of May. Yeah. Just, it's all happening in the Easter so, season. Yeah, which is, which is great, but yeah, than that, we're just kind of, we're hanging out in Easter, we had the the Divine Mercy um, kind of thing this weekend. We had Divine Mercy Sunday, and we had a. Uh, I from what I hear, there's a ton of people in confessions. Oh man, it was awesome! So, it was just wonderful. You so know, p- people really getting that Divine Mercy. Yeah, absolutely. Having that applied to their soul, which is so healing and good and restorative and strengthening. And man, yeah. And then I actually, so we had our confession period after each Mass last weekend, and we had probably. A, a couple of hours after the St. Lawrence Second Mass, and then I went to the cathedral and heard confessions for another hour and 20 minutes or so, and I was late for that one, but they kept going and going all the way to like 3.30 or so. Yeah, well. And it was wonderful. You know, praise God. It was so good. I, I just thank God for it. It was a good and intense day, but a wonderful day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm, that's good. Yeah. That is good. Um, well, do you want to open us in a prayer? Yes, I do. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Grant, O merciful God, that I may ardently desire, prudently examine, truthfully acknowledge, and perfectly accomplish what is pleasing to Thee for the praise and glory of Thy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Uh, so, so, yeah, we're going to finish up our fourth cup discussion. Um, maybe let's do a little, like... What we talked about last week, sure, and I mean, like, rehash it just, just, just a little, um, and just maybe start with talking about. So we talked a lot about the Passover. We talked about uh, the Exodus from the Jews leaving uh, the their ensla- their slavery in Egypt, and uh, that whole thing becoming the Passover, and then how the Jews celebrated the Passover, how they remembered the Passover. Um, Father, you told us a lot about, oh, don't want to hit the mic, uh, you, t- you told us a lot about sacrifice, yes, and the Jewish like tradition, and the thought of sacrifice, and then we also talked about how during the Last Supper, Jesus was celebrating, he was remembering the Passover uh, with his disciples. Those are like the three like big things that we talked about. And today we're kind of going to stick them all together and talk about why they all matter yeah, and what's important with that. Um, so where do you want to start? Brother, where do I want to start? Well, you know, Passover, yeah. I kind of want to just talk about memory for a moment, yeah. <laughs> if you don't mind. Yeah, I've been, I I kind of prepared Dan for this, so I hope everybody else listening doesn't mind. But I, I nerd out on certain faculties of the soul, and there's several faculties of the soul. Memory is one of them. And it's a beautiful one because for us as Christians, as Catholics, we um, believe that memory was given to us. And this is St. Thomas Aquinas talks about this, but it's, it's not, not just merely a faculty of the mind where we recall people, places, or events, but it's actually an access point 
Memory is an access point to God's work in history, to God's work in history. It's the way we allow that work then of God to enter into our lives. I mean, that's, that's what memory does. It, you know, memory makes something amazing possible, really, because it allows us within ourselves to give existence to things, people, events who no longer exist materially or visibly in the world, yet are very still real to us. I can recall the memory of my grandmother. Uh, I didn't know either of my grandfathers, so I don't have that memory, but my grandmother's, it can produce happiness in me. You know, when my grandmother brought me to Como Zoo, it was like, oh, that was a happy memory. There was rides, there was lots of sugar. It was great, you know, in the form of cotton candy. You know, things like mm-hmm. that. That brings, like, some happiness within me just even in a fleeting moment here where it's like, that's a good memory, you know? And she would buy me a Ninja Turtle, and I was like, yeah, I got a toy out of this. This is great. So those are things good. Or it can produce sadness. You know, the the thought of my grandmother's, her mind started to slip, and, you know, she had, you know, um, needed a lot of care at the end of her life, wasn't fully recognizing everybody. Those were tough times, you know. We wanted to remember with her even, you know, those memories and spend time with her that way. We still got to spend time with her, though, which was a gift still. Not the time we hoped to have with her in that manner, but it was still time with her, which was good, you know. Mm -hmm. Perhaps it assisted her in ways we're not aware of as a family. But for the Jewish mind then, moving moving back, the Jewish mind, and even today, memory was... um, so important for them. You hear it, you see it in the Old Testament all the time. Remember the Lord your God did this for you, you know? Remember this. Remember the Sabbath day, you know? Mm-hmm. Remember that you were a slave in Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you, you know? Like this, they, if you forgot as a Jewish person, you, you would start to lose yourself, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Memory was a huge part of their identity and the way they lived their life was, was rooted in it. Um, so people were to remember the Exodus as at the Feast of Passover. Um, so they would have a million Jews just packed in the city of Jerusalem, you know, celebrating the Passover. Um, that was not just recalling an event, though. This is what's fascinating about the Passover for a Jewish person. To remember it was to participate in it. Because I even have, you know, um, in the book of Deuteronomy, God says, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out thence with... I love thence... I'm going to use that word, thence, with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. You know, um, so remember how 40 years now the Lord your God has directed your journey in the desert. You know, he does that, does that later for Moses. You know, this, this is powerful. Remember these things, you know. Constantly remember them. Call them to your mind. Um, so for them, it was participating in these events because even in the Passover liturgy today, you know, why are we celebrating this feast? You know, we too came up out of Egypt, they say. In the the mm-hmm. Jewish people say it today even. We too came up out of the land of Egypt. So they identify themselves with their Jewish brethren who actually went through it. So 3,500 years after the Exodus and the Passover as a historical event occurred, they still are participating in it on that day that they do it, you know? So we too here and now can participate in it, you know, if we were Jewish people, we would say that, you know, I participate in that which my people went through and I participate in it and it's crucial to our understanding of our relationship with God, you know, and the fact that he He is our savior, rescuer, redeemer, etc. So it allows, memory allows those events and deeds to inform our life and then becomes our own life of faith and story of salvation. It becomes part of us, inside ourselves, you know, um, that we might be changed by those, those saving events. So we do all of this with the same understanding that our forebears had in, the, in their faith, you know, in the Mass. So Jesus in the Eucharist, you know, when he's celebrating that first Mass in the Last Supper, you know, he does this celebration with his apostles in the context of memory. Do this in memory of me, he even says. 
know, he's mm-hmm. creating something new here. Um, and the person that we remember in the Eucharist is, is not just present within ourselves as we call him to our minds, but he is also substantially present on the altar through the act of memory, the most robust you know, act of religious remembering you can think of because it's, it actually happens because we worship him and receive him in this act of memory into ourselves, but we remember him so that this memory might change us. Now, he's truly, really substantially present to us on the altar. So that saving event is re-presented to us, and we get the opportunity to participate in it. Um, It was the Jewish understanding of the Passover that by the celebration, they were continually formed into the people of God. It was a continuing process. You know, that's that's powerful to me. You know, Um, it's shown through the Old Testament, particularly when they forget their God and their deeds. They had to be reminded by the prophets, right? You are the people of God. You are being formed now, too, as a gradual process. And as members of the church, of uh, the, the one true church, you know, we are the new Israel. We remember the deeds of Christ, principally his resurrection, but ultimately in the Eucharist, too, um, which is a combination of the Last Supper and Calvary. And we're made sharers in those mysteries of Christ that are saving, um, that are freeing, too, um, and that strengthens virtues, and forms us continually into the new Israel, into the true body of Christ, the mystical body of Christ. That's, that's what's going on there. That's a whole lot. That's, mm-hmm. that's something uh, worth revisiting from time to time or remembering. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, like, mm-hmm. this, this is what I love about our faith, too, is that, you know, we don't just remember it in our minds, you know, he's truly there, like made mm. present through those, you know, performative utterances of the institution of the Eucharist, those those words of consecration of the priest, which are the words of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. And especially when it comes to we're actually talking about the mass, you know, like Jesus says during the Last Supper, do this in in memory of me and which you say on the on the altar during mass you you say that but also just for the laity in the pews you know from from Vatican II there's this famous you know term active participation right that was that was the one of the really big things was coming from the like the latin mass into the english was the people didn't feel like they were actively participating in that, right? Um, and that's where, where kind of memory comes in is when we are like at Mass, we are remembering and actively like act, like actively remembering like through our participation. Yeah. Right? There, yeah, there's, a, there's something very active about that. You know, interiorly. And interior participation is actually more important than the exterior, although both are important and helpful. But the interior is the primary. And some of the documents say that. It's like the interior participation. Mm -hmm. And the same goes for the priest. Even though I say he's doing the most as far as external actions, his internal life is much more. it's, It's important. It's just as important. And if he's not in the right state of mind, right state of soul, and all that stuff is pretty important for the efficaciousness, the fruitfulness of that of that Eucharist. Even though, even if he says the words right and everything else, that's always going to be the Eucharist, you know. But the interior participation, both of laity and priest, is so much more important too, as we receive such great gifts, you know, from God. And remember, there's something very active about listening too. You know, when you're listening to somebody, sometimes say somebody goes on for an hour and you're listening most of the time. Maybe you contribute five, six words, you know, <laughs> and somebody just really needs to let it out. There's something, And afterwards, depending on the kind of what they were saying, and you know, you can feel exhausted. Why? You didn't move anywhere. You didn't even speak. But there was something in you that was listening and attentive. And you're like, wow. You know, I feel tired after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm drained. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but you didn't do anything. But you were doing something, weren't you? You know, you were listening actively, and you know, 
all sorts of things came through your mind and heart during that time. Compassion, you know, you oneness with someone else's agony. All, the, all sorts of things occur within ourselves. You know, maybe we remember certain memories that are like sort of intense, you know, maybe uh, while somebody's speaking about some topic, you know. So there's a lot of activity that goes on within ourselves. Now, the beautiful thing about the Mass is that maybe at the end of the Mass, we're like, oh, thanks be to God, you know, it's done. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Hopefully not. Hopefully it's not that jaded. I hope that it's more like, thanks be to God, what a great gift, you know. And you, one, one is typically not exhausted after Mass, hopefully, you know, um, but energized, you know, because we've had love given to us, you know, and love is a renewable resource. Even when you're tired and you're doing work, but you love your kids, so you'll give energy to them at the end of the day because you love them. Even though your body is tired, your mind is tired, but love gets you moving again. Love can renew you. And this is, you know, the memory of, of the Jews and the memory of us. It renews us. It does. It renews us by calling to mind such great things that our Lord has done for us. And the fact that he is present in the Eucharist for us as Catholics, that's, that should renew our strength, that we are not alone. Even if we're alone in the pews, we're never alone. Even if we're alone in our house, we're still not alone. You know, mm-hmm. our guardian angel and everybody else is there too, you know. Um, so, yeah, that's a bit of a tangent, but I love memory. I mm-hmm. nerd out on that stuff. Well, and, and it's, it's important too that we realize the importance in um, our history and in the history of the, the Jewish people who are kind of the, the proto-Catholics. Right, probably, right. Right? That's like, yeah. like, like we, like, you know, as Catholics, our traditions come from the Jewish people. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. Right? Like the, the first Catholics were Jews. Right. So, right. Um, so it's just important to see that, like, how that's connected and, um, and how memory, like, is important for, like, was important for Jesus, obviously, because he was, he was remembering the Passover and he told us to remember, uh, like, remember him through the Mass, right? And this, like, this connects to the kind of fourth cup for many reasons, right? And so, um, which I know some of you are probably thinking like, okay, well, we, what's this whole thing about the cups again? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Let's get back to that, you know? shall we? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and But see, all this is building together because it all, like, I feel like it all, like, it takes, like, a bunch of different things and at the end it just connects them, you yeah. know? Um, and so that's kind of, like, what this is like. But um, so during the Passover liturgy, there was different parts and one of there was kind of four main parts and the first like each one had a like a cup of wine yeah that was drank that kind of closed out that part right mm-hmm. and so last week we talked about the the first three and how during after the third one Jesus says that um here I have it written. I have it written down here. Somewhere. Share the notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just looking over the notes here. But so so he says he says, I will not drink again from the food of, fruit of the vine until the un, until the kingdom of God is at hand or it was something like that. Until I, I, I drink it again in the kingdom of Heaven, yeah, yeah. heaven, kingdom I, of heaven. I should have, uh, I should have highlighted this. There's just a bunch of text here. No worries. But, yeah. What, what, what do you have there? Uh, this was um, just a little excerpt I found that was really interesting from a Dr. Edward Sree book. Mm. Dr. Edward Sree is wonderful. I think he has seven kids. Super bright guy. He wrote a book called A Biblical Walk Through the Mass, um, understanding what we say and do in the liturgy, kind of thing. Uh, but he's talking about the the ritual, you know, near the start of the meal and the Jewish prayers were recited at every meal. The father of the family or the one presiding over the community would take the bread, and this is Jesus' role, 
and speak a blessing, a barakah, which praised God, saying, Blessed are you, Lord God, uh, King of the universe, who has brought forth bread from heaven. The bread was then broken and given to the participants, and the people began eating the various courses of the meal. In the Passover meal, there also would be a reading of the Haggadah. Haggadah, I just love that word, Haggadah, which retold the story of the first Passover in Egypt and interpreted that foundational event in Israel's history for the current generation. Again, feeding off that memory of a saving event, right? Mm -hmm. Otherwise, they wouldn't even exist as a people. You know, or they'd still exist in slavery and probably just be wiped out of all true identity with God in their relationship with God. This made God's saving deeds of the past, Dr. Sri goes on, this made God's saving deeds of the past present and applied the story to their lives. So, that's good. When the meal neared its conclusion, the presider prayed a second and longer baraka over a cup of wine. This blessing had three parts. The first part was praise of God for his creation. The second part, thanksgiving for his redemptive work in the past. For example, the giving of the covenant, the land, the law. And thirdly, supplication for the future, that God's saving works would continue in their lives and be brought to their climax in the sending of the Messiah who would restore the Davidic kingdom. So uh, Dr. Sri goes on and talks about how the Eucharistic prayers share this pattern actually. You know, mm -hmm. of, yeah, that's cool. Uh, it's interesting. And so, and so, um, when Jesus was doing the, doing the Passover, that's probably not, not the right action word, but, um, um, when he was celebrating the Passover, um, there was those four stages and after the, the third cup, he says, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until I enter the, until the, I enter the kingdom of heaven or whatever. You got it. And then, um, more or less, <laughs> paraphrasing. And then, and then, um, which that's weird because no one does like that's that's not how it's supposed to go, right? So th this is a a structured celebration, not uh, whatever you want to do type of celebration. And so, and then he kind of goes off, and like you said last week, he changes other words also because he says, "This is my body." which will be given up for, for you, right? He's, he says, like, words that are so common to us now because it's part of the Mass uh, were not common to the apostles, mm -hmm. and they were kind of like, what's going on here, right? And so um, so he, um, which there's a whole lot there too, but then, um, but then he also goes on to say, like, this is, especially when he says, like, this is the blood of the new and everlasting covenant. Which, Big. Which change. this is a like this is, in like a whole lot of. Like, probably all the apostles' heads are like, what is what is he what is he saying? Yeah, because, like, he is starting a new covenant, which there's a whole lot there, um, but then he also says, you know, like my blood, the blood of the new and everlasting covenant. Like, there's just there's so much there, and so, um, and then and then he just stops it. He just stops, and they sing hymns, right? That's mm -hmm. part of the Hallel Psalms, because the Hallel, the, they sing the little Hallel first after one of the cups, and then this after the third cup, they sing um, those Psalms where he talks about, he sings about Mary, you know, the son of your handmaid, and then they leave. Mm -hmm. And where do they go? They go out of the city of Jerusalem, through through the valley of the Kidron Brook, which was a little stream. And then up into the Garden of Gethsemane. Mm -hmm. And then there's there's something that's very, um, very interesting when he is in the Garden because multiple times he says, he says, like, Father, if it is your will, like, let this cup pass from me. Which, again, if we just read it with our Catholic, you know, eyes. It's easy just to be like, oh sure, yeah, I get maybe kind of what he's saying there. But then, but then it's like, but then when we look at it with our Jewish eyes, mm. it changes a little bit. Yes, it does. He's speaking about something they were just doing, mm -hmm. right? And um, and so he has this resolution to not drink again of the fruit of the vine, 
So that that also reappears when he's on the cross. Yes, it does. Right? And so so he has um so I mean we can maybe even go through a couple other like topics before we get there because so Jesus is in the garden and he says, Father, let this cup pass from me. Um and then he gets arrested, right? Mm-hmm. And he was stripped of his uh, seamless linen tunic, um, which, which this word, so this is from the Gospel of John, I believe. And so the same word that is used for that is the Old Testament is like the official tunic wore by the high priest in sacrifice. Yes, correct. So this is also showing that Jesus is the high priest of the sacrifice. And then you're kind of like, well, what sacrifice? Yeah, what uh, what are we talking about here, right? Right, which I don't know if we're going too fast or if we're flying by stuff. We are but, flying by a few things, but that doesn't... We're still heading in a but, direction. Um, yeah. But it is tough because there's so much there's here. Too, there's a, right? a ton. And so, and then this also, you know, connects, like, to... The Passover lamb itself. Yeah, like, to right. Jesus being the Passover lamb. And... During his imprisonment, that's when they were being slaughtered, you know? You're like, well, they're being bound and let out. You know, during his trial, he's being bound and let out. And the lambs, you know, Dr. Brand Petrie, one of my favorites to read and listen to, he talks about how when he was, uh, his family visited an Orthodox Jew and they did a, a slaughter of a lamb and stuff, and he just noted that the, when the lamb was let out, it was tied up or whatever, and it was let out to this little part of the pen where they would slaughter him. And even when the blade touched the lamb, it didn't even flinch or move. It was a willing victim. And Jesus says this too. No one takes my life from me. I lay it down freely. You know, he knew what he was doing, and he was offering it willingly. As the sacrifice and the priest, seamless garment, you know, reference there, that's that's the garment prescribed for the high priest to use when he offered sacrifice in the temple. So Jesus himself had a seamless garment on as well, which also meant it was a nice garment, by the way. So it's, it's okay to wear nice clothes from time to time. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Um, and then, um, so if Jesus gets, um, he gets crucified. He does. Right? Mm-hmm. And um, again, there's a connection to the Passover lamb because the Passover lamb, right, the it was slaughtered, and what did the Jews have to do? They had to put its blood on the doorposts, and here Jesus is crucified on posts of wood. Posts of wood, yes. Right? So, like, there's another connection there that, you know, when you think of the Passover and that the Jews were saved by, they were saved by what? They were saved by the mark of the Lamb, the lamb's blood over the doorposts. And the other thing was that they had to consume the lamb. They had to eat the lamb. Even if you didn't like mutton, you had to eat the lamb. That's right. And so when you think about, okay, well, how are we saved? Is it by something that we do? No. No. It's by the blood of the lamb. The blood of Jesus. Right. The true lamb. And, and there was something very interesting in here, which is, um, so a lot, I took a lot of these notes from Scott Hahn. He is so good. And, yeah, he is, he is something else. Um, which, side, side tangent, when I was in focus, he came to training, and he gave, like, for, like, three days, he taught us salvation history. And um, he's a brilliant guy, but one of those guys was like, I prefer you in writing form. Yeah, Because sure, it's sure. a lot more structured. Like when he gets excited, he just goes. He does, and just it go. doesn't make a lot, a lot of sense. Probably like this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it was something that like we were like, like there was like three sessions a day, and they're all like an hour. And we were like at the fifty minute mark of the first session. He's like, "All right, page one," and he had like already gone through all of salvation history. Like we're all just like because we got this huge binder, and we're like all flipping through this. Like what? Where? Where is he? Where are and we? He was just going. Yeah. So I was a brilliant guy. It's like a fire hose, you know, uh, really. When you listen to one of his talks, it's the same thing. He hits so many multiple yeah. points within a minute. It's incredible. W- which is the hard thing about this topic, too, because there is so there is so much. Again, oh, the you fulfillment know, of... There's so many things where, yeah. I, where I'm like, man, we're kind of we're kind of skipping over that. That, that, that. That's kind of important. 
But um, but yeah, it's just hard because there's just so much there. Um, Courses have been done on this. Courses. And so so yeah, this isn't supposed to be a, a whole a complete, um, a complete education, but maybe just like a like a bullet point. Yeah. Um, type of type of deal. Yeah. Um, and so. Okay, so um, Jesus is on the cross, right? Mm-hmm. And then, uh, so in in I think John's gospel is the only one that really gets this, where they like put um, they dab like some wine on a sponge and they like give it up to him, and he's just like, no, like he right. he says, like it, it it makes a point that he's not going to, to drink this, which it was like yeah. Yeah, they um, a bowl of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of, full of the vinegar on hyssop and held it to his mouth. Um, which was that for when he did drink it or when? Yeah, he did drink it there. He, it was yeah. he tasted it. That's what it says. Um, but but that was there's another point there where another he's point. offered, on the way of the cross, where he was offered some, and said, "No, I will not drink it." You know, uh, he refused it. Yes, that was in Luke, I believe. And then when he was on the when he was on the cross, this is when he says, "I thirst." Yes. Right. And so then they take um, they take this vinegar wine, and um, and he goes and and he drinks of the of the wine, and then he says, "It is finished." Right. Like that's. I feel like th- this is a very common like. Easter social media post is like Jesus, like it, it is finished, right? Um, but then if you like, if you think about it, it's like, oh well, was our w- what was finished? Yeah, you might be tempted to say that just the work of redemption. Mm-hmm. It was more than that. But and and I mean, I I don't know how like nitpicky this is here too. But there, there, there's one aspect was like, well, if Jesus had to die for our sins, he hadn't died yet. Which I mean, he could say, I mean, he was about to die. I'm like. 30 seconds, so there's that. Right, right, right. <clears throat> so, you know, he's whatever. But but it's one of these things where it's like, okay, well, what's what's finished? Because we weren't saved yet Yeah. when he said it is finished. Right. Um, so what was finished? And it was like, well, the Passover was finished, right? He just drank the fourth cup of wine. He did. And it was full of vinegar on hyssop. You know, John includes that de- mm-hmm. detail, right? Yeah, and why is that? Uh, I, I was looking that up, and I didn't, like, I, I, I get it, but I don't totally understand it. So why, why, why is the hyssop important? The instructions for the original Passover was to put bl- the blood of the lamb with a, spring, a sprig of hyssop. So a tiny a hyssop branch was used in the original Passover to wipe the blood on the oh, posts right. okay. and the lintel of the, the doorways of the Jews. In Egypt, so that's that's where hyssop and, and the relationship to this as well. It's mm-hmm. like wow, that's that's interesting that they use that. Now he's tasting um, vinegar by a hyssop branch, but like it's like going up to not just a doorpost and his blood. It's not the blood of you know just a lamb, you know, but the true one lamb. You know, um, the the victim as well as the priest as well as um, the altar of sacrifice also used. So there's a relationship there with hyssop, with the original Passover, I think is the main point. It is finished. The Passover liturgy, the fourth cup he takes. Yeah. Um, and there's, so there's there's one part, and I should have I should have highlighted this. I thought it would be easier to find in these notes when I was uh, when I was putting them together yesterday. <laughs> but but just this um this interesting part. So so we in the mass the Jesus is called the like the Paschal Lamb or like Lamb of God. Like we talk about that all the time. Right. Right. So that's something that's very like we're used to talking about and that makes sense to us. Um, but this, this, um, this thought for me of just like how the Passover is like almost like come to like fullness through 
like Jesus' sacrifice on, on the cross, right? So he goes as, like, not only as the lamb, but as the high priest who does the sacrifice, right? Like, mm-hmm. he fulfills both roles in that, and he goes and he, like, he spreads his own blood upon the cross for our salvation. But then there's a second, like, piece to that, that that we have to consume the we have to consume the lamb right which is the eucharist right right so it, it, it it's like a twofold um part and n- n- not that we have to consume the eucharist to exp- to be saved right, right that right. that's not necessarily the what's prescribed right but it's this very like kind of mind-blowing connection mm-hmm. and um and I, I can't find it in here. And maybe if I do find it, then I'll share it at s- some other point. But it was is it this idea that it was like, it was like through like the blood of the lamb that, um, that the people were like saved, but then it was through the eating of the lamb that they were like participating in it. Sure, sure. In the sacrifice given. And so... And so that's kind of yeah. the same for us in in a way that like that like we don't we don't sacrifice Jesus, he sacrifices himself, right? Right, right. But through like consuming Jesus, we are like we are p- connecting ourselves to his sacrifice. Yeah, and to him. Yeah. And to him. Absolutely. Yes. Union with him. Yeah. Right, right. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. You know, that's excellent actually. Um yeah. But it and it wouldn't wouldn't have been fully complete though in the in the original Passover. Say you did all those things and you didn't eat the lamb because you're like I don't really want that. So they went to bed that night and the next morning they got up. The firstborn son would be dead because mm-hmm. the last part of it was to eat the sacrifice, which is like so we're called to that right. You're, we're mm-hmm. called to receive him. We really are, yeah. and we want everybody to experience that union with Christ, who was victim priest. Savior, also friend, you know, he's, he said on the Last Supper, I've called you friends, you know, this is, this is also a part of who he is for each of us, but yeah, that's an interesting piece, though, that distinction. We participate in a powerful way, because St. Thomas Aquinas says that we have received the full effect of the passion of Christ's fruits in, the, in Holy Communion. So that's, that's a powerful thing. Especially with every virtue is present on the cross when Jesus is dying. Every virtue is present. You know, that's St. Thomas even said, you know, my one textbook is the crucifix. It's like, wow, Mm -hmm. you know, that's where I learn. Yeah. And I think, especially once, once we kind of have this, this mind of like this, Judeo-Christian mindset where it's not just a modern-day Christian mindset because that's, to a certain extent, that's not a full, that's not the full story, right? So we kind of need both the the present and the past um, to, like, look at things. But it really opens up not only just the scriptures and, like, the the gospels and Jesus' crucifixion, but um, but Acts of the Apostles is also like there's so much there because those are not only they're obviously Christians, but they're also Jewish people who lived through this. Right. And like there's some writings from like Saint Paul that are very interesting that, that that talk about the Mass. So this is from I think Corinthians. Yeah. Where yeah. he where he he talks about the cup of blessing which we bless, which most people would be like, oh, that's from the like we say that in the Mass. Or, 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 or that's like um, a part of the mass, or like there's definitely a song there, um, but 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 th- th- those are words that, that we've heard before, right? Absolutely, within yeah. the mass. And then, as we talked about last week, the third cup was called the cup of blessing. So it, um, he says, the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? Which for him, saying. Like he's writing a letter, right? Talking to these people. So him oh, yeah. him saying that isn't just saying this cup, but it's like no, this cup within that, like the Last Supper within the Passover, like this is is this not 
a participation in the blood of Christ, right? So like that has a deep, I mean, that has a meaning for us just as Christians. But then when we look at, look at it with Jewish eyes, like, oh, that has even a deeper meaning. Yeah. Right. Oh, absolutely. And there's, and there's so, so much else there too, um, where he just, yeah, kind of connects the, the, the Jewish and the Christian world. Yeah. And he's, he's talking about, that's the earliest, um, account of the mass and the words of institution that we have that are the words of consecration, we'll say. Um, that's the earliest account, actually, earlier than the the Gospels. You know, it's 57 AD there. And he's speaking to this Corinthian community who had spent time with six years prior in 51. So he's talking about, he's trying to remind them of all these things too, you know. And when, mm-hmm. when we do this, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ, you know? Um, he's trying to like call them to mind. This is this is what Jesus has taught us. And Saint Paul wrote the early handbook for early Christianity. You know, he did. This is the handbook. This is who mm-hmm. we are, and this is how we live. You know, um, and it's powerful. Uh, just looking at his account, um, the the account of uh, Luke, the account of Matthew. I mean, these are powerful accounts of our Lord's words that are. There's some continuity there, but there's discontinuity, you know, uh, with the Passover liturgy of our, our Jewish older brothers and sisters. You know, we there is some radical newness with it all, with Christ saying new and eternal covenant. Oh, this is my body. Do this in memory of me. Now you're, mm-hmm. you're rooted in a person. You know, this is, these are huge shifts. The, the apostles... No, we're cued in. This is new. This is absolutely new. What what our Lord, where our teacher is doing, you know, mm-hmm. and it must have filled them with wonder. Um, but then, yeah, it wasn't finished until the cross, and so that the mass that we have is that continuity with the Last Supper and the crucifixion united together as those saving events that are made present to us in the Eucharist, in the celebration of the Eucharist the mass that's where we see it you know we see represented to us in an unbloody manner um, the sacrifice of jesus and so that it can be reapplied to us the fruits of it given once again you know since there are infinite merits to the mass um it's powerful it's, oh there's so much there right mm-hmm. did you have a couple more there I was looking for a quote that I found from St. Ignatius of Antioch that's just sweet. So there's, um, yeah, there's there, there's one other um, quote from Revelation where, um, John, so John, the beloved disciple John, who was there, right? So he was there at Jesus' feet at, during the crucifixion. So he writes Revelation and he talks about like um, an angel announcing the like the appearing of Jesus as the lion of the tribe of Judah and then he says like behold like a lamb standing as though it had been slain right so this is another connection of Jesus's sacrifice on the cross but also its connection to the Passover and Jesus being the sacrificial lamb right um and these words are connected, you know, um, like the priest says these just in, like, during the Mass, right? Um, Behold so, like, the Lamb of God, right? Yeah. Behold, yeah. hold in your being the Lamb of God. Mm-hmm. That's powerful language. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There, there, yeah, there, there, there's just so much there. And, I mean, so we're at 50 ish minutes right now mm. which which some of that was before we started recording or before we actually oh, that's right before we actually started so we're probably at like 45 minutes that's right <laughs> but but I, like i don't know i mean again this could probably be a whole nother like podcast but maybe like do you want to talk maybe briefly like about the importance of like the new covenant and just like what totally that means from like a jewish pr- perspective Whoa, well, that might be another podcast. <laughs> Just bre- in, in brief, mm-hmm. you know, covenants um, were 
usually formed by the people towards God, you know, and this is God giving a covenant to man. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a this is a powerful thing. Which this is only the second time that God had done this. Yeah. Right? And the the first kind of covenant, which we now call the old covenant. Yes. But but also realizing that for the Jewish people that's still their covenant because as like the basically the difference between Christians and and Christians and Jewish people is that for us God fulfilled the first covenant and gave us a second one for the Jewish people they don't believe that God fulfilled the first covenant yeah right I mean that's that's I I got at the core like that's kind of the difference right mm-hmm. um and so it's through the crucifixion and God saving his people that he fulfilled the old covenant. Yes. And then he gave us this new one through um, through the mass. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, I, in I, essence. No, yeah. you've got a good summary which, there. Which, which there's, there's a lot more details there. There are, there's a lot. It's wonderful. <laughs> it takes, and ever ancient, ever new, this, mm-hmm. this beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Um, covenant we have with God. And Jesus is not just the one who fulfills the covenant. He he is the covenant when you look at it. He is the covenant given mm-hmm. to us. Yeah, because the uh, the world will be blessed, right? And so Jesus is that is that blessing. Boom. Nice. He re- and he really is. He's so good like that. The new, you know, the new Passover lamb, the manna that sustains us that uh is miraculous. I mean, it really is a miracle on the altar every single time. Every single time. It's a miracle. Mm-hmm. We witness a miracle. St. Jose Maria was famous for saying, I have enough miracles in the Gospels to believe in God and in Jesus Christ, his son. But that wasn't, that's, it would have been enough. But there's more. Jesus gave us so much more. He mm-hmm. gave us himself, apostolic tradition. Uh, all the rest that brings it down to the present, the gift of Jesus himself. You know, not just the knowledge of his words and deeds, but he himself. I mean, that's a uh, radical, generous gift. Uh, and it's wonderful that he's with us. He doesn't take away all suffering, but he fills that suffering with great meaning and efficacious merit that helps us, helps others. Oh, it's so good. So he is the covenant. I mean... We could talk about the history of covenant too, you know, using Scott Hahn once again because he's done some of the best work on covenants. Um, and uh, you know, it's really powerful, even just uh, the idea of marriage as a covenant. You know, God marries His people. You know, even the Bible starts out with a natural marriage, a marriage between Adam and Eve, and ends with in Revelation, the marriage between God and his people. I mean, wow. Mm-hmm. You know, marriage and covenant, we could have a whole thing on that, you know, and covenants in general. I mean, that's that's actually super important for us too uh, in an age where we're afraid of making commitments. You know, I mean, yeah. and all of us have a little bit of this in us, this weakness. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I don't want to commit to that because I need a back door and I wouldn't have it if I said yes right now. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, um it would be good for us to be reminded of how bold these things are and how strong our word can mm-hmm. be, you know. Yeah, and and especially and specifically how important it is that God had made a covenant with His people. Yes, and His right? fidelity is our model, yeah. you know. His fidelity yeah. to us. Mm-hmm. Good. Well, yeah, I'm glad we could do this. I hope I hope it was like at linear enough. <laughs> that it made sense for people, because yeah. there's times we're going through. It and I'm like, wait, wait. There's like another this part that we kind of. There's this part that we kind of glossed over. Or we didn't oh, really talk yeah, about. Oh yeah, there's so much. So th- there is a lot. But if this is like at all interesting and you're able to like follow along, Scott Hahn has a book where he like really dives through into all this, and like this kind of his discovery of all this is really what made him Catholic. Yes. Like like he he started this journey like before he was even Catholic and then he realized that like oh this is what the church teaches like what the Catholic church teaches. Mm-hmm. Um and so so I I think it's I think it's cool cuz it's not just like oh this is um 
it's not just like it's Catholic jargon. This is neat. Yeah, you know, this no. is like like it's um, yeah, and it's 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 very fascinating. And yeah, if you're someone who doesn't really care that much about like the historical aspect, like there, like just the connections to the to the mass is like. I think it, like like th- that's enough, at least for me, to be like, man, I need to like I need to take that more seriously, you know? Because th- mm-hmm. there's there's times where you just go to mass all all the time, and you're just like, oh, I'm just going to mass today. Yeah, and I'll just be a commentator on how it occurred, or you know, yeah. the homily and this and that. But then so, we're we're able yeah. to actually like like oh I'm, we are like, we are living the memory of this. Yeah, you know? we're just like just just to have that. Have that mindset, I think, is helpful. Oh, so. yeah, and a supernatural event. This is not just us making this happen, you know. This is us carrying things out according to what was given to us. Um, and God becomes present. I mean, it's really powerful. So the the Scottahan book you're referring to was The Fourth Cup, right? Yeah, I believe it's called The Fourth Cup. The Fourth Cup. Yeah. That one is great. And then the other one is Dr. Brant Petrie's Jesus and the Jewish Roots of the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. Awesome book. That one blew my mind too. You know, Scott Hans got a number of talks also on just understanding the Eucharist that you could find that are excellent from Lighthouse Catholic Media, things like that. Those are so good. They they just blow you away when you're paying attention anyways to what's being said. Mm-hmm. It's like, what? You know, the brain blows up. It's like, that is amazing. Yeah. You know, what Jesus really did. And there's treasures there personally, you know. And then it helps us become freer in the Mass with greater attention as to what's going on. Even if we find ourselves distracted, it's easier to come back because we know what's going on. You know, I I love it. Of course I love it, but (laughs) it's beautiful. Good, good, good. Well, um, well, yeah, so, uh, yeah, thank you all for listening. Thank you. Thank you, Father Anthony, for your wisdom and... um, yeah, I'm I'm really glad we were able to to like t- to talk about this. Um I think so the plan is that we aren't going to do a podcast for a couple weeks. Mm. But when we come back, we're going to have uh Father Seth Goglin, right? Yes. Goglin? Yeah. Um we're going to have him on and we're going to just be interviewing him and talking about his uh his his life, his vocation, um, all that he's he's a, a fellow Brainerd boy. I, I I've met him like briefly once, so I don't I, I don't actually like know him very well, really at all. But um, but he's a fellow Brainerd boy. So, yeah, he's so a good man and a good that. friend. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to to having him on, and we're gonna yeah just kind of share his story, um, the, yeah. which I'm looking forward to. So oh heck yeah, it's gonna be great. So so good. Well yeah, thank you everyone for listening. We hope you know you're able to stick through this and. Um, Yeah, we will catch you again next time.